Hello and welcome back to the Thousand Hours Podcast and today we start off with a question for one of the presenters, Alex Tam Brown. Which football team do you support? Oh, uh, I am a Leeds supporter. Huh, that's very interesting. So you would say that you're a Leeds fan? I am a Leeds fan. Wow, that's really good to know. And as you will hear through the first part of this episode, I have not taken those clips out of context. Definitely not. Anyway, run the intro. Hi, I'm Zealand. Like, actually, this isn't AI or anything. And you're listening to the Thousand Hours Podcast. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Thousand Hours Podcast, a football manager podcast all about dominating in France, rebuilding English giants and also trying to win the Premier League and Champions League with Taunton alongside other things as well. Once again, we have had to cut this episode up into two parts. I think this is the norm now and it probably will be the norm from now until the end of the podcast whenever that may be but yeah once again in two parts and we've split it up in the same way that we've done the last few episodes so in this part you will hear Alex Tamp Brown describe his new project on football manager rebuilding Leeds United because as we've already heard he's a massive Leeds United fan and then you will also hear Alex Towles talk about trying to win the Premier League and the Champions League with Taunton Town we'll see if he's finally managed to achieve that that's in part one in part two i will return to talk about my leon save we're not doing going deutsch this time that's because the podcast when we recorded it was late at night it was approaching midnight at the point we were going to come up to going deutsch and so we were like and no we'll just we'll do it next time we're all tired so yeah, in part two, just Leon this time, the part has already been uploaded, so you can listen to that after this one, but for the time being, please enjoy part one of episode 10 of the Thousand Hours Podcast. Hello and welcome to A Thousand Hours, everybody's favourite podcast. I'm Alex Towles, and I'm joined as usual by two other people called Alex. One of them is Alex Woodward. Hello, Alex Woodward. Hello. What is your beverage of choice today? I don't have a beverage at the moment. That's a mistake. Uh, and <laughs> Alex Town Brown. Hello. What is your beverage of choice? Um, my beverage of choice is Birra Moretti, which has been kindly sponsored by Michaela Ledgerwood and my match attacks card that I have in front of me. Not actually by Michaela Ledgerwood. Please do not sue us. Sure. Who, who would be um, suing in that situation? He might really hate Birra Moretti. Yeah. I just don't want to take the chance. Defamation, I'd never drink that. (laughs) (laughs) My beverage of choice today is Inches, medium apple cider, which I was able to get on offer from a fuel station. We have all of the best alcohol is sourced. Not loads of um, housekeeping messages to get done at the top of the podcast today, you'll be glad to know. Uh, but I do want to let you know that if you feel like reading my personal um, football manager adventures instead of just listening to them on this podcast, I have a Twitter account where you can do that now, at FM Towels. I'll put a link in the description to this podcast. I now basically live tweet the taunt and save, inst- as well as... When, when I can be bothered, I live-tweet the Taunton save. I used to do it on my main Twitter's circles to, like, only a few people. Uh, but then it made it, Twitter started making sounds like it was going to delete circles. 
so I made a whole little extra Twitter account for it. So you can follow that now if you want. So has Elon Musk not banned you because you're better at football manager than he is and that upsets him? No, not yet. Uh, also, it, it'll yeah, be any day now. Steadfastly refuse to call it X. That's a good idea. Anyway, we've got a show to get on with. Alex Tam Brown, as is tradition, you're going first. And I, and I hear you've prepared this time. <laughs> yeah, uh, so usually I, I don't have a script or anything like that. I just kind of go with the flow. But uh, considering, you know, Alex Woodward's love for Beast and Rovers, also known as Leeds United. <laughs> Beast um, and Rovers! I felt like I had to. <laughs> I feel like I had to, you know, prepare aptly. Uh, the reason I call them Beast and Rovers is because they play in Beeston, which is not really Leeds, but is Leeds. We've just been having a long conversation about Beeston and how fun it is. <laughs> yeah. So, the, I, I feel like I'll, I'll, I'll start with uh, what I identified as wrong at the club. So, what I did was, first and foremost, I downloaded a custom database to allow me to start in June of 2023. And I had updated transfers up to, I believe it might have been the 1st of August. Anyway, that was to allow me to start with Leeds in the Championship with the updated squads as of that day. So, obviously that means Ethan Ampadu was in, I think Carl Darlow was in by that point. I don't think Sam Byron was confirmed by that point. Either or, it wasn't in the database because I ended up getting him in as a recruitment analyst. And you may be thinking, well, what happened to the rest of the staff, Alex? Well, I told you that I needed to, you know, look at what went wrong with Leeds this season, the previous Premier League campaign, and I decided that every staff member needed to be sacked um, and that most players would be put on the transfer list. So what did I do? Well, I sacked all the staff by mutual termination. That was cheaper than just outright sacking them. And I brought in quite a few people, so... As I mentioned, Sam Byron came in as a recruitment analyst. Uh, Danny Rose, Ross McCormack, Robert Snodgrass came in as my performance analysts. And I managed to do the right thing and convince Luke Ayling to retire. Um, I was constantly throughout the whole summer just going, I think you'd be great as an analyst. I think you'd be great as an analyst. Until he finally said, oh, you know, I think I'd be a good analyst. And I, Because I'd already had a decent right back. I was just kept offering him the contract to be my head performance analyst. He eventually said yes big win but the biggest win and I think Alex Woodward will agree with me on this is I had to find an assistant manager which would fit in with the vibe of the club now this isn't too realistic because he's he's just gone and joined his boyhood club from a team in the Middle East so please welcome my new assistant manager Santi Cazorla <laughs> Alex great Woodward, move Alex if you know what TV program I'm about to refer to, then yep, well done. Six Dreams. Yeah, there we it was go. fantastic. So the staffing changes left us with the best coaching team in the championship, the second best scouting team in the championship, and the third best medical department in the championship. And I thought, brilliant, staff sorted. And that was within the first sort of 10 days. Whilst that was going on and my staffing was my main concern, it was about shifting players out in order to you know, have money to spend on players coming in. I ended up selling 22 players who are in and around the first team. So obviously, you know, Robin Koch, Rasmus Christensen, Brendan Aronson, uh, Diego Lorente, and Max Verber, and 
Rodrigo and Mark Rocker had already gone out on loan or been sold. And in addition to them, I sold Sonny Perkins, Leo Ferhilder, uh, Ian Perveda, Tyler Adams, Dan James, Jack Harrison, Liam Cooper, Helder Costa, Patrick Bamford, Junior Furpo, Luis Sinistero, Pascal Stroke, Christopher Clarsen and Stuart Dallas. Where's Patrick Bamford gone? Patrick Bamford has gone into the abyss. I can promise you that Patrick Bamford is no longer welcome at any football club. Um, and I will kind of get on to Patrick Bamford later, if that makes oh, okay. sense. It's just for when, when we talk about the abyss, what we mean is Hull. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. I suppose it might be worse if you were a Leeds fan in the 70s. So, who who did I bring in? Well, I had, you know, a good sort of 120 million to spend after selling a lot of people. And I thought, well, what do what are Leeds known for? They're known for their academy. They're known for bringing people through. So, I decided to make the spine of the team be Charlie Cresswell, Jamie Shackleton, Archie Gray, uh, Darko Giabi, uh, Sam Greenwood, Joe Gellhart and Willie Nonto as the spearhead. Uh, you may have noticed I've missed out three key positions. Well, one of them was returning loanee right-back Cody Drama. Obviously, I had Ilan Melier in goal because I didn't sell him at that point. Spoiler, he gets sold. Um, <laughs> and then I, I brought some players in to, to kind of manage what we were doing, and I thought, what is an example of a very well-run club? So my mind went to Luton. You know, and I thought I would rescue a few players from what is not the nicest part of the world. Let's be honest, it's Luton. Um, <laughs> and if any of you have seen Kenilworth Road, you'll know it's not exactly a great place to play, play football. Like Elland Road is better. I'd love to go to Kenilworth Road. <laughs> that sounds like the road vibe. is like better. Time. Just for the vibes, I suppose it's great. But, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. You know. It's, Having a wee in someone's back garden isn't exactly my thought of an away day. Um, I don't know, it depends how drunk you get. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> so, I, I brought in uh, Gabriel Osho from Luton, Elijah Adebayo from Luton, Admiral Musqua from Luton, because I realised I needed a, a winger who would play just in case I decided to change formation. And I decided to deny Peli Rudder Kampanzu the chance to go from the conference to the Premier League. With the same club by buying him in for two million pounds. That's just so mean. It's just horrendous. Why? At least allowed him to play one game. I didn't even allow him that. Why? Why? <laughs> he was my first signing. <laughs> Is that? Did you do that just as a fuck you? No, I I, I like Pelly Rodriguez. I, I I needed a ball winning midfielder, and I thought he's going to be cheap. And he's not going to complain if he doesn't play that regularly, which is what I needed because I wanted to have a young squad starting with experience behind them to kind of rotate in because I really wanted that development from all the very well-rated young players at Leeds on FM. And my final few signings were interesting. So I brought in... uh, a goalkeeper who was recently linked with Manchester United, Zion Suzuki from Japan, because of the extended database I had turned on, he was available to sign. I saw Manchester United were interested at one point. This was ages ago. And I thought, okay, I'll buy him, see if he's any good on this game. Turns out, 
he's all right. He's, he's championship potential, but that's that's about it. Um, <laughs> I also brought in uh, Jonathan Panzo, and to play at left back, I brought in from Ajax Calvin Bassey, who was apparently interested in joining Leeds in the championship, which I obviously jumped at. He cost me twenty five million, so he cost me a good quarter of my budget basically. And I finished off my summer signing Antoine Semenyo from Bournemouth. So with the team in place, uh, I was playing a sort of narrow four three three gig and press, and we were among sort of the the pre season favourites. I told you kind of my lineup: Melier, Drama, uh, Cresswell, Panzo, Bassi, Jarby, Shackleton, Gray, Greenwood, Nonto, Gelhart. A lot of G's in that team for some reason. Don't know why. Um, and then the board kind of gave me my pre-season objectives, which was, uh, yeah, you, you, we want you to get promoted. And I thought, with with this team, really? You know, that, that you think that's a, achievable? And we had a very, very poor pre-season. We lost to both Dortmund and Porto. We managed to draw with Hanover. And we managed to beat St. Pauli 4-1. Ding, 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 ding. Big, big. I will never forgive you for this. (laughs) So the pre-season odds had us third. And by the start of the season, they had put us up to pre-season favourites of first. And I thought, I don't understand where where they're coming from in terms of why they think we're so highly rated for some reason. I mean, that was me listening to everyone, well, not the Top 20 podcast, predicting Leeds to win the championship this season. Yeah. And... It seems to be going well. If you're listening to this in the future and these have in fact won the championship, please leave us a review with your gloat. Please please come back in time and tell me now so that I don't have to go through all of this stress. (laughs) It would be really nice just to relax. So, in the league, uh, August we had four games. Watford, Blackburn, Plymouth and uh, Millwall in the EFL Cup second round. Uh, we drew against Watford and Blackburn and beat Plymouth in the league and we won 3-1 against Millwall in the EFL Cup second round so overall a good start but not one that you think you're comfortable with only getting sort of five points from three games Um, especially when we drop points against Ipswich and Southampton in the next month but we did luckily manage to beat Swansea and Middlesbrough before we played West Brom twice in a week One was in the EFL Cup third round and one was in the Championship, where in a real sort of Jekyll and Hyde four days, we dominated the EFL Cup game and won 3-0, only to go, and this was at the Hawthorns by the way, only to come back into the Championship and lose 1-0 at home. Well done boys, I'm I'm glad to see you've really bought into the Leeds United spirit. Um, (laughs) Either or, October was a pretty simple month, we actually didn't concede a goal beat Coventry 2-0, Rotherham 1-0, Bristol City 4-0 and Hull City 4-0. Only for us to play Hull City again in the EFL Cup fourth round and of course Leeds United were back. We drew 0-0 with them but we went through on penalties into the EFL quarter-finals for somehow somehow basically. Wins against I mean Neil St- Warnock did it. Yeah, Neil Warnock did it. Just point out. But as we know, I am the Usain Bolt of Liechtenstein. I am not Neil Warnock. <laughs> <laughs> but either or, in November, we had a really good sort of run of games. Um, we had Stoke, Birmingham, Leicester, QPR and Huddersfield. 
we beat Stoke, we beat Leicester, we beat QPR, we beat Huddersfield, and we lost to Birmingham somehow, who were you know towards the bottom of the table. The rest of them were up in the sort of playoff places. In comes December, which was horrendous. Okay, we had nine games in December. That is, that's an awful schedule. Either or, a 5-1 win against Preston kicked us off, followed by a 6-0 win against Cardiff. 3-0 wins against Sheffield United and Sunderland sandwiched a 3-0 defeat to Norwich. Millwall and Norwich City were both draws, and West Brom we beat again. But we had Brentford in the EFL Cup quarter-final on Tuesday the 19th of December, where we won 2-0 to make the EFL Cup semi-finals. After not really playing a good team, I'll, I'll be honest. Um, wins against Coventry and Bristol in the new year were were good. You know, uh, we, we were playing well. Everyone was adapting to the tactic, and we were starting to be kind of comfortably at the top of the table in the championship. Now we'd really kind of found our rhythm. Uh, the young lads, especially Archie Gray and Darko Jarby, had really settled into their midfield roles. And Nonto, Gelhart and Greenwood were just forming a superb front three. Um, so I mentioned that we didn't really have any tough games going in towards the EFL Cup semi-final. Yeah, well, that ended. We drew Man City, didn't we? <laughs> and those sandwiched a, a FA Cup third round game against Wolves. Now, I'll, I'll tell you about the FA Cup because it wasn't that interesting. You know, we beat Wolves 3-0, we beat Newcastle United 2-1, and we got to the FA Cup fifth round where we thought, okay, finally, you know, this is probably gonna be our end of our end of season in the in the FA Cup. No, because we pulled out York City, who had somehow <laughs> made the FA Cup fifth round, who we beat 3-0, only to go and lose to Arsenal in the FA Cup quarter final 2-0. And I promise I had You did it on to, purpose. I had nothing to do with that. Because they went out in the next round. <laughs> I mean, in all fairness, you did have something to do with it on the grounds that you were the Leeds manager. <laughs> that is true, that is true. So, mentioning about uh, Coventry and Bristol games, we also beat Rotherham, Hull and Ipswich in the league. Don't need to talk about the FA Cup now that I've kind of run you through it quite quickly. Uh, and I am trying to make this quite quick so that everyone can focus on the the fun sexy parts which i want to tell talk to them about which is the signings that i've made summer 2024 ready for the next season of this save so manchester city in the afl cup semi-final we went away to the etihad and they disrespected us they put out a team of kids and we drew 2-2 right we then lost against Huddersfield in the next game in the Championship. So I wanted to kind of preface that. And then we went off to Manchester City, not in good form. Which we won 4-0. We beat Man City 4-0 at Elland Road to reach the EFL Cup semi-final. Jesus Christ. So moving on to just the Championship, we really kind of started to process to the title, if you know what I mean. Um, so 5-0 win against Stoke 1-0 against Leicester 5-1 against Swansea 2-1 all draws with Middlesbrough and Cardiff whilst we were on telly and a 4-0 win against Middlesbrough whilst we were off the telly uh, rounded out our February including the FA Cup fourth round game against uh, Newcastle um, 
March started off with our FA Cup fifth round against York, which obviously you know we won. But then we also had to play the EFL Cup final against what I what I like to call the Dennis Wise derby. So it was Chelsea <laughs> who we had to play in Dennis the, uh... Wise and his wobbly eyes. <laughs> oh God, can't keep that in. Surely. If, if if you if you remember what that is from, I I will think you're a Leeds fan. You already think I'm a Leeds fan. I'm doing a save with Leeds for crying out loud. You you are a Leeds fan. Yeah. So now, do not do not remember what it's from. I can't. When when Leeds got to zero points in League One, Chris Moyles, who would I think been on BBC at the time, did a a song. He did a cover of um, Enrique Iglesias, "I Will Be Your Hero." To we have got to zero, baby. Oh, and Paul, one of the lines was Dennis Wise and his wobbly eyes. <laughs> so, go. <laughs> Sorry, I, I needed to get over that. For a you need to. You need to listen to a song. It's fantastic. Oh, I'm I'm turning it on as as soon as we we play our next game, uh, just to <laughs> just to listen to it. Um, so, EFL Cup final, you think it's going to be a, a tight, nervy affair. Um, there was a big problem. Um, I had a lot of players who I'd signed. So, going back to, to my list, Peli Rudakampanzu, Gabriel Osho, um, Elijah Adebayo, and Admiral Musqua, and Antoine Semenyo, had all decided to declare for their African nations counterparts. So you'll be, th- you'll be there asking, surely they were guys that were playing in January. Yes, yes, they were playing in January. So why are they missing the EFL Cup final? Well, that's because all of them got injured at the AFCON and were out for four months. So great, just great news. You know, Gabe Osho scores to get us through the EFL Cup semi-final and then all hell breaks loose. Anyway, Jamie Shackleton is a god at ball-winning midfielder. Not known for goal scoring. Apart from when he pops up with a header in the 48th minute, Ben Watson-esque, right? Think back to that FA Cup final between um, Wigan and Manchester City. And Jamie Shackleton rose like a salmon to put Leeds United ahead. Completely against the run of play. Completely undeservedly. And... I believe I'm right in thinking that Jamie Shackleton isn't too tall. Yeah, he's 168 centimetres. So, you know, if you're listening, Jamie, which I severely doubt, well done. You know, you go, son. You go. Um, (laughs) So patronising, that is. Um, Either or. He's a professional footballer on, like, 20 grand a week, and he's Alex from York going, you go. Yeah. Um, and again, we just we just weren't deserving of anything. And interestingly enough, whilst we're, we were going through the January transfer window, I noticed that um, Man United had put Kobe Minu up for sale. So I don't know if any of you know who Kobe Minu is, but always a really good asset to buy on Football Manager. And I invested five million pounds in him, which was is a lot for an 18-year-old who hadn't played championship football, um, had only ever played League 2 on loan, and he'd just come back from his League 2 loan. I thought, okay, this could be make or break here. Either or, he popped up in the 88th minute to give us our second goal of the game. 
Chelsea would only respond once through Nicholas Jackson in the 94th minute and Leeds United somehow won the Carabao Cup yes to getting relegated <laughs> and the best the best part about it is is that they've qualified for the new format conference league <laughs> The, the Carabao Cup is relevant and I do think it's worthwhile and I do actually like it. I've never said anything to the contrary. I've never said anything about the Papa John's Pizza Carabao Trophy Cup. <laughs> I've completely mixed up the Johnston's Paint Trophy. Yeah, I know, still you the have. Johnston's Paint Trophy. It, it will always Cup. be the Johnston's Paint Trophy. Oh no, Milk mm. Cup, come on. No, the Pizza Cup. It's the no, Milk it's the, Cup. It's the Carling Cup. It's the, definitely the Carling Cup. It's the Milk Cup. No. But anyway. anyway. So, so uh, Woodward, you are now the only one of the three of us not to win the Carabao Cup. You need to start a saving England. So, to I am so gutted. You should be. You should be. It's it's the best. It's for best trophy. That's why they won't have the first round draw in a Morrison's. I'm just saying, only the best and most cultured football manager players win the Carabao Cup. <laughs> You know. No. No, Johnson's paint trophy or boss. <laughs> so either or after the, the Chelsea game you'd think, oh, okay, we've just beaten Chelsea, you know. Let's you know, let's go on a really good run. Well, obviously not, because then we lost to QPR and Blackburn and then Arsenal to round out our March. So we didn't have a good month after winning the EFL Cup final. My only theory as to why that is is because obviously my players went on what was seemingly a three-week bender until we finally played Watford on the 2nd of April because we won 2-1 to end our losing streak. We played out the season winning 3-2 against Southampton, 4-0 against Plymouth, 3-1 against Sheffield Wednesday, 4-1 against Sunderland, 1-0 against Preston North End and 2-0 against Millwall. Now, if you were listening carefully, you would rightly believe that we've done quite well well you know out of the relegated sides we did the best um, unfortunately for most of the league Norwich City finished on 102 points but they didn't go up as champions because we got 107 33 wins 8 draws 111 goals for 29 goals against we went up, baby. And um, beat Reading. <laughs> and we beat Reading's point scale. Southampton. With Young. Southampton can feel aggrieved as to having not gone up, finishing in third with 91 points. Oh my god, this is last year's League One all over again. Gets worse. Leicester and Blackburn finished fourth and fifth with 89 points. And West Brom finished sixth with 86. These are good point totals, and they shouldn't yeah. be in the playoffs. Um, one thing how did 7th do, do? How did 7th? W- was it a drop-off? Oh, yeah. Hull City finished in 7th with 76 points. But but there has to be a significant drop-off after that, because if not, then <laughs> something's happened. Yeah, uh, there was kind of a significant drop-off there. And then you had all the way down to Ipswich Town in 9th, who had 74 points. I mean... 74 points in ninth is mad, by the way. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Then there was Watford in 10th with 67. And then it goes all the way down to 58 points for Sheffield Wednesday in 11th. And 
the, the most interesting part of actually this championship season is um, Swansea in 14th with 49 points um, and Coventry in 22nd with 42 seven points separating them and all the teams that were from 14th to 22nd were all within five goal difference of each other so within those last three games literally any of them could have gone down it was only by luck of the draw that some teams happened to survive and some teams happened to go down I think it's fairly safe to say that everyone expects Rotherham to go down in the 23-24 season actually and they did they came rock bottom 37 points they tried um, another team that has been banished into the abyss that is League One uh, Millwall <laughs> nothing wrong with League One <laughs> Millwall have gone down to League One um, only to you know feel a bit aggrieved because by far the worst team in the league was Stoke who only won 10 games across the whole season and they managed to survive whilst every other team won more games than them explain it by all means I wish they I probably could. drew a lot and didn't lose very many yeah, that, I a, think lot, that is a lot of nil nils because their opponents were just bored by their existence <laughs> and just like fell asleep on the pitch. That is true. Uh, hang on, did QPR stay up? Yeah, Q- QPR. How? QPR stayed up. Um, and I, I want to test Alex Woodward's managerial knowledge. Who do you reckon was the first person sacked in uh, the season 23 24? Gareth Ainsworth. It was Gareth Ainsworth. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> Gareth Ainsworth was sacked by QPR to be replaced by Daniel Farker, of all people. <laughs> as soon as you said QPR stayed up, my only thought was they must have sacked Ainsworth about two games into the season. Um, my, my, my funniest part of the, the season was feeling sorry for Matt Taylor and because he got sacked on the 31st of January and got replaced by Paul Hurst on the 5th of February. Only for Paul Hurst to get sacked at the end of the season, despite Rotherham having been long gone before he he would even take charge, he won more games than Matt Taylor did. And he got sacked <laughs> because a new board had come in and decided to appoint Gary Rowett. Um, the most funny part about this championship season, though, is Watford. Do you want to guess how many managers they sacked? 300. <laughs> well, well either, either it's unrealistic and zero, which would be incredibly funny because that's just objectively not going to happen from now until the end of time, or it's actually eight. So Watford had not sacked a manager until the end of the season. They, <laughs> they hadn't sacked Valerian Ismail until the 13th of May which was the day after the season finished because the players lost confidence. Right. I don't understand how you can get that far and then just go, ah, yeah, you're sacked. No, you yeah, know? so but what's happened there is he, Valerian Ismail has done that thing that we've all done in Football Manager, which is he's gone to the end-of-season team meeting and give, given the players an unrealistic expectation. So he's yeah. gone in we're and he's going to win the league. And they've said, <laughs> fuck off. We don't win. 
<laughs> and he's been sacked. So I, I do want to give some interesting side notes as to what else has been happening in this save, because this save has been a very interesting one. Um, the guys will know I made a signing, uh, or they may have forgotten that I made a signing. Uh, and that signing was Jason Denier from a Saudi club for about £7 million. Huge outlay for a central defender who didn't play a game for us because the week before the season started, he ruptured his cruciate ligament in training and was out for nine months, despite being our highest earner and our best player. Um, that is so Leeds United. <laughs> which That's is just Leeds United. Horrendous luck. Uh, the guys will also know that uh, during the summer and due to the database I downloaded, obviously there were a lot of free agents, three of them being Salvatore Sirigu, uh, Jonathan Bamba and Daichi Kamara. All three of them accepted to go on trial with me. Brilliant. All three accepted contract offers from me. Brilliant. All three signed for Union Berlin <laughs> in the Bundesliga and left me which was very kind of them. Um, and then at one point as well, when I realised I didn't have enough players in my under-21s, uh, I saw a greyed-out player by the name of Nash Cox. Of course he was offered a contract, let's be honest. You can't, <laughs> you can't see that name and, um, and, and not be and not be wanting to, to sign them. I, ca I can't think of a, a good pun to put in there, but, you know, whatever. Unfortunately, he just wasn't that good, as is every kind of grey player. Um, so... In terms of a really interesting point that was going on was Nottingham Forest, right? So what you won't know is that in the background of, um, of the Premier League, Nottingham Forest kind of went bust, right? Right. Um, which is very kind of odd, if you know what I mean, but it, it does happen. Either or, they had lost most games up to January when they decided to, because they were struggling financially so much they decided to basically release half their first team and this is where Patrick Bamford comes in because I sold Patrick Bamford to Nottingham Forest and I sold him for 35 million and when I got intrigued about Nottingham Forest's finances I found out that they were 35 million in the red and his £120,000 a week was what was causing them to lose more money. So Patrick Bamford directly caused the bankruptcy of Nottingham Forest. So my selling of Patrick Bamford bankrupted Nottingham Forest to the point where he played 16 games for them, didn't score, and got released because it was too costly to afford him six months into his five-year deal at Nottingham Forest in January 2024. Let's see Patrick F Bamford's finally done a bit of good. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I wanted to mention in the 70s, you know, that kind of, Bri I say Brian Clough rivalry, you know, mm. not really. Um, Nottingham Forest ended up finishing with over 100 goals conceded in that Premier League season as they ended god, up playing god. the kids out and finished with 20 points. I mean, Ever to, fi to to finish nine points better than Derby is genuinely impressive. Yeah. Yeah. It's better than Sheffield United are going to do this season. Yeah. Well, you say that because both Luton Town and Sheffield United stayed up oh, in nice. the Premier League. 
To be Wolves, fair, it, was this Everton. before or after? Oh, Bedwards Barmy Army. Oh, Bedwards Barmy Army. Is that before what? Is it before or after Leeds, Sheffield United sold uh, Sanderberg and in the Malinjai? No, this is after, I think. Yeah, it must be after because they're not there. Oh no, Sanderberg is there. I'm convinced Paul Hackingbottom is the best manager in the world now. It, well, I've, that, would be a sh- <laughs> that would be a shame because uh, actually Paul Hackingbottom got sacked in oh, December for poor finances and got replaced by Eddie Howe. I don't. I don't think anything that's going on at Chef United can be blamed on Paul Hackingbottom. So when did Eddie <laughs> Howe get sacked from Newcastle and who replaced him? Eddie Howe got sacked from Newcastle for poor league position and got replaced by Danny you know, Cowley. Julian Danny Cowley. How? <laughs> no. <laughs> Alex Woodward, I have the answer to this, and it's lots of money. Okay, yeah, that's fair. I'll be honest, he's still at Bayern Munich on my save, and I was yeah. like going, wait, did he leave Bayern? <laughs> for, uh, forgetting where the real world is, apparently. Yeah, because um, they, they drove a dump truck of money to his house, and then he used it to buy a skateboard. Do you, do you want to hear about our Carabao Cup finalists? Because they also had an extremely normal year. But well, 18 uh, players finished 15. They actually did finish a roundabout there, by the way. <laughs> Excellent. Loving it. Chelsea finished 12th with 50 points. Okay. Below, Improvement. F- Only another below. 30 players who are competing. <laughs> below Tottenham in 11th. Fulham of course. in 10th. Bournemouth in 9th. Bef- I, I need to quickly say Arsenal did win the league. Yeah. Arsenal won with points. Newcastle finished second with 75. Big win. <laughs> Save some points for the rest of us. Basically. Um, <laughs> my lot are better than your lot. So yeah, back to Chelsea. The interesting thing was, they sacked Mauricio Pochettino quite early on into the season. And do you know who they replaced him with? Paul Cole. No, it was the return Frank of Antonio Smith. Conte. Uh. Only to get sacked for poor results. Only, only to get sacked for a press conference. <laughs> he obviously had just criticised the whole club. Yeah. But do you know who replaced Antonio Conte Paul as Cook. Chelsea manager? Graham Potter. No. Roberto Jose Mourinho. Frank Lampard. No, it was Mauricio Pochettino. Of course it was. <laughs> <laughs> just stop doing it to yourself, Chelsea, please. I'm sure this has happened in real life, but I can't think of <laughs> who it was or when or why. I bid Peterborough United um, all the time. Yeah, that's fair. Steve, who Steve Cooper was sacked for unconfirmed, which is always a lovely thing to see. Don't know why, um, but you, obviously you want to know about what we've done in the intervening summer between going up to the pre- between being champions of the championship and going up to the Premier League. Well, the main part of it has been to secure players' future and get a load of contracts signed um, because the stats from last season are incredible. Um, our top goal scorers were Nonto, Gelhart and Greenwood. Nonto with 33, Gelhart with 31 and Greenwood with 30. Gelhart got 18 assists as well. Drama got 15 and Archie Gray got 13. Um, Melier kept 16 clean sheets by the way which was exquisite Um, basically we created a a very kind of high scoring high chance creating side 
but um, our defense makes a few too many fouls. So we got 17, not, not 17, we got 70 bookings across the season. <laughs> we were just dirty, dirty leads. <laughs> Back at it again. Just role playing, man. Um, You're role playing. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just role playing. I'm. I've, I've brought back the 70s, you know, Leeds have destroyed Nottingham Forest for some reason, don't know why. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's, that's the only context in which the sentence, I brought back the 70s, is a positive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, only other exception is, is whoever created life on Mars describing his TV show. What I've done is I've brought back the 70s. <laughs> So you know how good the 70s were, guys? Um, no. <laughs> no. No. So, uh, I'll start with outgoings in summer. Um, it was important to sell players. So, because, obviously, Max Verber, Diego Lorente, Brendan Aronson, Robin Koch, Mark Rocker, Rasmus Christensen were all out on loan. They came back. Christensen went to Al-Shabaab for £25 million. Mark Rocker went to Alain for £35 million. Diego Llorente went to Algarafa for 11 million. Darts to notice to... something in common with, <laughs> with these. Yeah. Max Verber went to Leicester for 21.5 million. Of course. Brendan Aronson went to Southampton for 32.5 million. Is that a profit? Robin Koch. <laughs> I think so. Amazing. Yeah. Robin, Robin Koch went to Galatasaray for 27.5 million. I don't understand. How. I'm leaving. Bye. <laughs> I also sold Jorginho Ruta to Southampton for forty million after he had a decent loan spell at Crystal Palace. Uh, Lewis Bate also was sold to Watford for fourteen million, and what has only just come through now, after not really playing too much during the season, Ethan Ampadu requested to leave and kept rejecting requests uh, for his transfer from other teams. And fair cop, because he's finally got a decent move. He's gone to none other than uh, Bayern Munich for 31 and a half Why? Fair play, I suppose. Well, what are they seeing in him? I mean, if they'd signed him straight off Spezia, it probably would have been like, some They're hipsters would have been like, ooh, that's quite a good deal. <laughs> They're seeing a conference league level player, Alex. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, he didn't play any minutes on the way to the cup final. I, I know. But they're seeing a conference league player. I know what we should do, guys. Let's buy that player who doesn't get into a championship squad. I'm pretty sure I've made more sensible transfers on my going Deutsch save trying to ruin them. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm now going to really piss Woodward off. Because we all know he's not a fan of just signing players from the same club and following some form of model because it's not a good idea. Is that am I kind of correct there? You know, just trying to f be a feeder club to any big team. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. So what did I decide to do? Well, I decided to raid Red Bull Salzburg, of course. Victor Orta did that, and that's why we're where we are now. <laughs> the rage has started. <laughs> I. <laughs> I signed Umar Sole, uh, a centre-back from RB Salzburg, uh, Dauda Gindo, a left-back, and Lucas Gornadouat, a central midfielder, all of whom my scouts highly recommended, and I'm very happy with their signings. Uh, I also brought in Brandon Soppy from Atalanta, 
Mark O'Connor from Anderlecht. And probably my favourite signing is Bally Mumba from Plymouth, who looks to be... I, I approve of that one. Man. The only problem is, is I'm now looking to loan out after denying him the chance to go from conference to Premier League. I'm now looking to loan out Pelly Rudderkampans. <laughs> you just ruined his. At least give him back to Luton. You said they stayed up, right? <laughs> they did. Stay give up. give him to Luton. Give him to Luton for free. <laughs> just give him. <laughs> yes, you've got enough money. You're a Premier League club. I'm, I'm trying to convince him to take a staff role. Why? Why, why must you be like this? I I, I like Pelly, but. I just can't play him ahead of Archie Gray, James Shackleton, or Let him go to Luton. Let him go to Luton. It's unfair. <laughs> Put it this way: if I can't have him, <laughs> no one can. <laughs> and that has become my kind of mantra with all all the kind of good rotation options that I sign. I'm, I'm being very kind of polite there and saying good rotation options. Um, so yeah, that is the summer. Um, in terms of the Premier League, we've got a lot of things to contend with. And we are England's only hope in the Conference League. But I, I just want to preface my, my outro on this by saying, as long as the season in the Premier League doesn't go as badly as some seasons that I witnessed on a, a save I was playing for pleasure, where Everton had up to 15 long-term injuries in you know one season, and Man United just crumbled into a relegation threatened team the season's not over yet so I don't know where they're finished um, yeah I'll be happy, I, I want mid-table, I think that's an achievable end so that is Leeds fully restored to the Premier League with a little bit of Red Bull spice in there wow, that was a an epic tale thank you for sharing it with us do you finally accept that you're a Leeds fan now? Uh, I am a Leeds supporter in as much as um, in as much capacity as Pelly Rudder-Campanzi has had time to play in the Premier League. But um, tis. I, I would just like to point out that as the editor of this podcast, I am cutting that at I am a Leeds supporter. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. This is going to sound so choppy. You're going to be like, I am a Leeds fan. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll do an impression of you if I just, have just to. Have that bit. Yeah. That'll do. There we go. Sorted. Sorted. Uh, well, as is traditional, we'll take a break after Tant Brown's bit, then I'll come back and tell you about my yeah, more boring talking save. Wow, what a lovely break that was, Alex. And Alex talked about Roy of the Rovers, and I now have a small bowl of leftover roast chicken. Why is the bowl bowl so small? That's the that's the question. Because I didn't, it, I didn't need much for, for, for context. Chicken. It is about the size of his palm and can, f- and doesn't go higher than his fingers holding it round. It looks like something you'd present yeah. sushi in. Yeah. We've had our break, and that can only mean one thing. It's time for me to talk about Taunton. Do I want to talk about Taunton? Uh, well, before we do, um, I will make make my. My two co-hosts play a guessing game. Last time we recorded, I remember saying how it felt that we were quite close to the end. Uh, with the end, of course, being winning the Premier League and the Champions League. Now, lads, 
have I won either the Premier League or the Champions League? I've had this spoiled for me because I checked Twitter. <laughs> and I follow Towels FM posting on Twitter. Shame. Yeah, that, that's, that's the yeah. It's not just Towels. It's not. Yeah, it's Towels FM posting. That's what Shameless it is. Plug that is. Absolutely, it's in the description. Meanwhile, I don't have Twitter. He doesn't. He got rid of it. So, um, if you try and click on the link in any of the earlier episodes, it'll just go nowhere. I guess you could say it's an X app on his phone. <laughs> that hurts me. Anyway, Woodward, have I won the Premier League or the Champions League? I'm trying to remember what year you were in last time. I I'm, can... It's been two seasons since we last it's been played. two seasons. I'm going to opt to believe in you and say yes, which is probably the wrong answer. The answer is no. Damn it. You have not won either the Premier League or the Champions League. I just wanted to show belief. Played. I have signed some more football players, which is nice. That, that's a good thing. I have not won thing. either the Premier League or the Champions League. I last I left you off in twenty at the end of twenty thirty nine. Twenty thirty nine. Uh it is now summer twenty forty one. So I've played twenty thirty nine forty and twenty forty forty one. Um in twenty thirty eight thirty nine I finished fifth. In twenty thirty nine forty I finished fifth. And in twenty forty forty one I finished third. In the Champions League we lost in the quarterfinal to Valencia in 39-40, and then we lost in the round of 16 to Dortmund in the season just gone, which we will get back to uh, because it's important. When I left you off, I had just sold, or I was about to sell. I can't remember if we recorded before or after I'd done this, but I just sold Ivan Janovic. In the summer of 2039, I sold Ivan Janovic to Manchester City for £91 million. And I replaced him with a wonder kid striker from Celtic called Jai Widowson, who was incredibly quick and strong. I'm just going to read you his physicals. Acceleration, 16. Agility, 19. Balance, 16. Jumping reach, 5. We'll ignore that one. Natural fitness, 16. Pace, 17. Stamina, 18. Strength, 14. He's quite good physically. And I bought him for £25 million, replacing the £91 million Ivan Janovic. And I'll be completely honest, I regretted selling Ivan Janovic as soon as I'd done it in that season. Because I reckon the sale of Ivan Janovic pushed me winning this save back by a good three years. I reckon if, he, if Ivan Janovic was part of my team in the season just gone... I reckon I would have won the league by now. Ooh. Does it hurt? Because oh, no. it does hurt. Uh, do you want to know what hurts oh. more? He's scored against me multiple times for Manchester City. No. Oh, no. So in the season just gone, we lost 1-0 at home to Manchester City and it was an 85th minute Ivan Janovic goal. And I was like, oh my God, what have I done? If I, if, like, he is so unbelievably good. He's arguably the best wing... Like, one of the top five best wingers in the world, Ivan Janovic. If I'd kept hold of him and made some of the signings that I've made in the last two years, with him still in the team, I'm pretty confident we would have won the league because he was an absolute genius. Uh, and Jai, Jai Widdison is very good, don't get me wrong. Uh, and he actually got a double-double last season, which I don't think Ivan Janovic ever did for me. He got 10 goals and 10 assists. But Ivan Janovic was special. I suppose I'm going to put a, a question out to our listeners. Oh, 
did towels make a mistake? Yes or no? Tell us in the comments. Mm. If people can people comment on this, yeah, I'm gonna say this. Yeah, can. somewhere. Somewhere. At us on Twitter and tell me if I'm wrong. Yeah, but yeah. Do it. There have been multiple times in these last two seasons where I finished fifth and then third and was in a title chase for some time and then not in a title chase for other bits of time. Why I've really, really regretted selling Ivan Janovic. Even though my squad has got stronger since then. Obviously, I did sign Jai Bidusim. Um He is a came in as an actual striker who could also play to an accomplished level on both sides. And I've turned him into an inverted winger on the left. Um, because he just can't finish. He's got like he came to me with ten finishing, and he's he's gone up to only eleven finishing. So, a winger he is, and a very very good winger he is. As mentioned, he got ten goals and ten assists in the league last season in twenty seven appearances from the wing. I mean that is impressive. Don't get me wrong. He is a he's a good footballer. He's a good yeah. footballer. Um, but I I don't know. I kind of expected more growth at least. Yeah, and that was the problem, basically. But, yeah, going into the uh, 2039-40 season, there's been a little bit more detail. Um, we started off horribly. Horribly. Our first uh, August, we had Southampton at home, Chelsea away, Liverpool away, Nottingham Forest at home, and West Ham away. And we beat Southampton and beat Forest, but we lost all three of those away games. We lost 3-0 to Chelsea, 3-1 to Liverpool, and then 1-0 to West Ham. Uh, and now you can understand why I was immediately regretting my choices yeah. <laughs> in, in selling Ivan Yadovic, yeah. because we got absolutely battered. I then played a friendly against Bishop's Lydia, which I won 23-0 to pick myself up. Um <laughs> It was just like a rebound for you, just to make yourself feel all nice and sexy. Yeah. And, and, then, we, and then we went on a good run, in, including beating Manchester City 2-1 away from home, which felt nice. Um, but yeah, it got to December time, and we were in the Champions League hunt. But then Bayern Munich came in for my right-back my right back Luke Matthews who was worth like 15 to 20 million pounds okay. 23 years tw 20 yeah 23 years old at the time and I didn't want to sell him so I said if you give me 40 million pounds you can have him and they went yep <laughs> sure 40 million quid <laughs> and so I sold my starting right back to buy in Munich for 40 million pounds. Do you think you've undervalued him a little? No, no, because um, he, he's now two seasons past. He's at, at 25, worth 23 to 28 million pounds. Oh, okay. At Bayern. Okay. And he's not really got better. So, like, I, I got a good deal there. Oh, I forgot. I also sold Nigel Hughes Jones, but I think I'd said that. I sold him to Championship Coventry in the summer for 25 million to place all of my trust in Julio Calderon, who was a. Wonder Kid, who I plucked from Alianza in Peru for less than a million pounds. I then loaned him out to Brighton, um, where he'd been fine. He got eight goal involvements as Brighton got relegated from the Premier League. Uh, but I was going to plug him in as my starting striker. So, plugging Julio Calderon in, in as my starting striker and selling Ivan Janovic, I think, doing both of those things meant I went into the 39-40 season notably worse than we were in the season before, which, whoops, 
But uh, Calderon, in his defence, did all right. 14 goals, 3 assists in 31 games in the Premier League. That's more than, uh, almost like half a goal a game, which isn't bad. But it wasn't good enough. And we'll, I did replace him that summer, but we'll get on to that. What was I talking about? I got distracted. Uh, oh yeah, I sold um, Luke Matthews for 40 million. And I replaced him with Christian Howells, who was a wonder kid, 18-year-old right back at Manchester United in that January. I replaced him on transfer deadline day, signing him again from Manchester United. How much money do you think I paid? You might remember this because I tweeted about it, Dan Brown. How much money do you think I paid for a wonder kid right back from Manchester United? Five. Five? 50 million. I paid. We went for very different guesses. (laughs) 105 million. Rising to one hundred and sixteen million pounds. What? I was closer. <laughs> You've spent more than the looked, GDP looked... of Taunton. Stop! <laughs> Stop! <laughs> I did do that. I spent that on a right back, on That's... right back, a teenage right back from Man United no, because he looked so good and he he had like four and a half star. Potential. It wasn't even five star. No, five star, but like not four four and four and a half. Tam Brown, four and a half solid stars. You don't get five solid stars of potential from an eighteen-year-old right back. You spent one hundred and five mil on a right back. I did do that. Yeah, but he's what? He looked so good. And let me tell you, he's turned out like Aaron Wan-Bissaka or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. You're not that far wrong. He's not even playing well. He's, he's, in his two seasons, he's been here. Well, a season and a half. He got 6.83 average rating in his 10 appearances in the back half of that season. And a 6.76 oh, he's getting worse. in 28 he's getting appearances. Worse. <laughs> if I was uh, in that virtual board, He's still only 20. And it, his valuation is 86 to 100 million If I was pounds. in that virtual boardroom, um, I'd sack you. Just for that transfer. <laughs> <laughs> that is horrendous. <laughs> thing is i do genuinely i have faith in him because on and thank god someone does because that makes one of us <laughs> on the other flank i've got bruno luis who i signed at 20 played one season of not growing at all as at his 20 year old season but then last year he absolutely exploded um wait no i signed him at 21 21 to 22 season he didn't really do anything 22 to 23 season he's exploded is that why your right back's not done too well he's three star so this is my my left back three star current ability four and a half solid stars of potential and like he was four and a half three and a half star potential uh, current ability apologies at points last season and he looks really really good and he basically looks about as good as Howells was when I signed him and Howells was two years younger so I'm just kind of hoping that this is the season that Howells explodes into life and becomes amazing. What what will you do when he eventually turns 23 and the potential stars fade and he's just a three-star player? I'll be sad. You'll be... <laughs> the mafioso of Taunton aren't going to be happy with you. The money laundering <laughs> yes, hasn't... That, fa- that famous mafioso. Is, is, that the, is that the first time you've spent over 100 mil in the save? That was the first time I spent oh, over God. 100 million in the save. It was by far my record transfer. <laughs> transfer. The mo- most I'd spent before then was 44 million pounds on Rui Stilgo, <laughs> who's a deep line playmaker. Uh, I feel dirty just um, knowing this information. 
like <laughs> I, f- I need to report you to Inland Revenue and Customs because that is fraudulent activity. I-, I could make you feel even worse and say I've still not spent over a hundred million on a player. Alex Woodward probably hasn't spent. Yeah, over but you don't get to that point in saves. Never mind. And also, you don't play in the Premier League. Yeah, that's fair. So, like, you, you need that's to play fair. with like a huge so, team so, for it to be. As, as Towels really just pulled out the well. You're not as big as Taunton are, so of course you have. Yeah. What, sort of a, what sort of a dick swing is that? <laughs> yeah. I've got Taunton, four and a half star reputation team now. We're like genuinely viewed by the world stage on the same level as Chelsea. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, you can afford to if they make Chelsea going, that's going to be true in real life anyway. They're going to buy yeah. 100 million right back from Man United, and he's just not going to be any good whatsoever. You pay, to me, but, it sounds like you're yeah. paying 100 million for Fabio from rem- the old Man United days. <laughs> um, yeah, but he will be better. He will be good. Christian Howells will turn out to be an incredible buy. But basically, my, my, my thought process was, this lad's going to be my right back when I win the Champions League. And when he's not, what will you and do? And so that, play, that point is... I won't care because I've won the you Champions know, when League. When he's not the right back that wins you the Champions yeah. League. Yeah, so I, 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 even if he's not, like assuming that I don't spend another 80 million to replace him, which to be fair, I nearly did this summer, <laughs> but I haven't. Um, it's worse. This gets absolutely I nearly worse. did, but I didn't. I mean, I know this podcast has gone off the rails. Anyway, 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 anyway. What on earth? So I got to the end of the 2039-40 season. And I was feeling pretty rotten about myself. Like, I'd sold Ivan Janovic. I finished fifth again. We'd not moved forwards as a club in any way, shape, or form. I think, actually, I got less points than I did the season before. Yeah, that's right. I finished 72 points in 28-39. And then 39-40, I got 71, which is only one point less. But it's the only, like, one of the first times in the save that I got less points than I did in the season before. And so I had one amazing idea, and that was to switch my tactic up ever so slightly, go a bit more direct, and exchange my deep-lying playmaker at the base of my 4-3-3 for a ball-winning midfielder. And I had my eyes set on the best ball-winning midfielder in the world, a lad who was at Ajax called Marcus Stainso. No, he wasn't at Ajax, he was at Feyenoord, apologies. He had a release clause of £46.5 million to Champions League, to clubs in European competition. And he was a four and a half star current ability midfielder. And so I put my bid in and I offered him a contract that would have made him by far my most paid player, where I gave him like 190 grand a week. I gave him massive bonuses. I paid his agent the most that I could possibly pay him. And he chose to go to Aston Villa instead, which was painful. That was quite painful. I'll be honest, I'm not afraid to admit I did reload the save and offer him a higher contract and he still chose to go to Villa. (laughs) Stop spending money. But I I had my heart set on this new tactic. So I changed the tactic up anyway, and I stuck with the ball-winning midfielder. My plan was, so two of the best players in my team are Giuseppe Escuto and Maxi Acuna, two South American attacking central midfielders. 
both of them, their best position was centre mid on attack. So what my plan was, was to play a 4-3-3 with a ball-winning midfielder. Um, it was The plan was staying so, but obviously that didn't happen. Maxi Acuna as a Metzala on support, and then Dusselino Escuto as a central midfielder on attack. So a quite attacking midfield trio, very direct, but because I've got an, the best ball-winning midfielder in the world, it's going to be fine. Like, there's very similar logic to Mikel Arteta at Arsenal playing Havertz and Erdogan next to each other, but it being fine because you got Rice in behind, sweeping it all up. But then I didn't have my dream ball-winning midfielder, so I put back into that place Jose Manuel Ortega, who's been a stalwart of this save now. I signed him in 2035 for Wolves, my first ever big, big money signing. Um, he's now 20, he was 25, now 26, but like he is a natural ball-winning midfielder. 20 aggression, 16 anticipation, 19 bravery. Does a pretty good job in the role. So I, I made the switch anyway, went to the ball-winning midfielder, tactic and it did work quite well as i've said before i finished third in the league that season and we started the season like a house on fire we didn't lose a game in august uh we then did lose our first two games of september we lost to liverpool at home which was the first loss at home for over two seasons we lo- we had not lost in the league at home since 2038 um playing the deep line playmaker tactic but then the ball winning midfielder tactic we got beaten 2-0 by liverpool we then lost 4-0 away at arsenal absolutely humbled destroyed by arsenal we then promptly went on a 10 game unbeaten run um with only one draw in it um before losing again to Arsenal in the Carabao Cup fourth round. And then we continued to win football matches. Our next loss in the Premier League after our 4-0 loss to Arsenal came in December. So we lost to Arsenal on September the 15th and our next loss was at home to Man City, the you know the Ivan Jelovic dagger that was mentioned on the 8th of December. On the 8th day of Christmas so, your true gate to you. So we're doing, we're doing good. We're doing good. We've managed to fix our away form, which if you remember from last episode, the problem was we couldn't win away for our, like, the lives of us. Um, and we were genuinely in a title hunt. Like, we were about three points behind Arsenal, who were in the lead, and we were roughly level on points with Newcastle, who were... The, it was us, Newcastle, and Arsenal in this title race going into January 2041. And January 2041 was amazing. We didn't. We won all of our Premier League games, 100% record. We didn't concede a goal in the league in January. Um, but then we lost again to Manchester City in February. And then everything just kind of fell apart going from February into March. Um, so we lost on the 15th of February to Manchester City. Then we drew one all at home to Chelsea. Uh, Then we beat Arsenal 2-0 in the FA Cup 5th round, which was nice. Um, Beat Man United 2-1 away and drew to Brighton. 
Then we lost to Southampton, who were in the relegation zone, 2-1 away. And then we drew one all at Fulham at home. And so those are results in the Premier League from the 15th of February through to the 13th of April. You may notice that that's not that many Premier League games because we were in the FA Cup and the Champions League. Uh, but we'll get back to the Champions League in a minute. Uh, but yeah, th that run of poor form was enough to take us out of the title running. And even though we picked it back up somewhat through the back end of April into May, um, a 1-0 defeat at away to Liverpool on the final day was enough to confine us to third. We finished third on 79 points with Newcastle three points two points ahead of us on 81 and then Arsenal on 93 points winning the league. We got 45 points, uh, the 45 goal difference, which was the second best in the league behind Arsenal. And our change in form, actually, at the end of the season was thanks to going back to the deep line playmaker tactic. Uh, our third, uh, so our final three games were Arsenal, Newcastle and Liverpool. Arsenal and Newcastle at home and then Liverpool away. The Arsenal game, we won 5-0. So our aggregate score against the league champions was 5-4 to us. We won 5-0 at home and then lost 4-0 away. Wild. Um, then we then beat Newcastle 2-0 and lost at home to Liverpool, away to Liverpool on the final day. Um, but yeah, that was not fun. Uh, but that was a turnaround inspired by bringing Rui Stilgo back into the team because I just lost faith in the ball-winning midfielder tactic already. It, entirely in the back end of last season even though it had been amazing in the front half. What has been a major contributor to my losing faith in the ball-winning midfielder tactic was my run in the Champions League, which had been going pretty well. Um, we got into that top eight in the Champions League league phase, which means that you go straight into the round of 16. And then in the round of 16, we faced Borussia Dortmund, who um, were top of the Bundesliga at the time of us playing them, and did end up winning the Bundesliga. Well, that end, seems unrealistic. Points. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, they've actually won it twice in a row. That was their second Bundesliga title. Have they rehired Jurgen Klopp? Cause it... No, it's Edin Terzic. Well, that's very unrealistic. <laughs> Edin Terzic has been the Borussia Dortmund manager for this entire save. The whole save. No. Anyway, so... We lost... To Borussia Dortmund in the round of 16 of the UEFA Champions League. I, I will, I will, we, I've already said that earlier. What do you think the aggregate score was? 6 2. Trying to remember when Arsenal lost to Bayern and, and what the aggregate score there was. That was 10 2. I'm going to say 8. Or oh, was it 10 2? Yeah. I'm... I, I was trying to think of, yeah. of another one with an English squad, but I can't, I, I couldn't. I mean, I think you, you, of, you could pick one. either of the ten twos against Bayern or AC Milan or Rome. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm going with ten two. Yeah, the aggregate score was six one. We lost three nil away, comprehensively pasted, and then we lost three one at home in a game where we had two goals ruled out for offside. Oof. That's brutal. Oof indeed, but. Yeah, we got roundly dismantled by Dortmund in the Champions League, um, which basically was just a reminder as we came into the back end of this season that we still had a heck of a lot of work to do. 
and reminding myself the business I did last summer. I didn't go over all the business I did last summer because I also replaced Julio Calderon because Julio Calderon's potential had dropped off a cliff from three and a half to four star. He went straight down to just being a one, two and a half to three star current ability over the course of a season where he started for me. Football manager. They just decided that his potential just would be utterly throttled. Um, so I did what any self-respecting football manager player does, and I went to Brazil, and I signed a 22-year-old striker called James off Atletico Mineiro for £20.5 million. James immediately came in as a 4.5-star current ability player. He is very quick. His mentals are amazing. So the, hi the highlighted um, mental stats for an advanced forward are anticipation, composure, dis decisions off the ball, and work rate. His um, anticipation is 17, composure 18, decisions 19, off the ball 18, work rate 13. He's pretty good. His finishing is 14, which is kind of mid. Um, but like when you consider the overall package of a striker he is, he is very, very good. Um, he got 20 goals in all comps for me last season, and that is with a three-month injury. So, he's quite good. Yeah, he, he, he seems good, does, uh, does our Jim. Um, <laughs> I, I'm just trying to work out why there was such a drop-off in the, in the stars for somebody else, though. Like, I, I, I can only imagine it's because his potential was actually never that high, or it, like it was like a potential range. Uh, and so when I first signed him and we were like a mid-table Premier League club, it was showing his potential as being Champions League standard striker. And then over two seasons, we became a Champions League standard club. And so his potential was just mid yeah. all of a sudden. Did you sign anybody especially good and you? Did you notice the... Well, I suppose Jai Widowson. Yeah. <laughs> did, you, did you sign James after you found out about the, the star dropping? Um, yeah, so J James came in as a replacement for Calderon yeah. because Calderon's potential jumped off a cliff. Oh, okay. And I wasn't playing Widdison up front, so I decided to bring in James to spearhead my attack. Um, I also have Simon Ikic, who I believe I brought in before we last recorded. So I think I've mentioned him before. He is he won the world golden he won the European Golden Boy in the last season. He's a right winger. Three and a half star current ability, five star potential. He's really, really, really good at 21. Um, and so my first choice front three is Ikic, Widowson, and James. I do genuinely think if my front three was Janovic, Widowson, and James, I would have won the league last season. Tough, tough pill. Anyway, it's the summer of 2041. Um, I am struggling for ideas of what to do. However, I do know that I'd had a really strong run of form with my deep-line playmaker tactic at the back end of last season, but also I was much, much better away from home with my ball-winning midfielder tactic. What do you think I did? What do you think the first transfer I made this... Was a ball-winning midfielder, surely? I was going to say spent £150 million on a wonder kid right-back. I didn't do that. I did sign a ball-winning midfielder. I signed Marcus Stainso off Aston Villa. <laughs> he he finally realised. Not a good uh, one idea. One year after he rejected me for Aston Villa, when I could have got him for forty-six and a half million pounds, 
I've spent £130 million to bring this bloke in from Aston Villa. It's all on the never met, never. I think I paid them fifty million up front and then fifty million over the next three years and then another thirty million over the three years after that in six months instalments. But I'm paying hundred and thirty million pounds for the privilege of having Marcus Stainso in my midfield. Uh to make room for him I did have to sell um Juan Sebastian Galliano, who you may remember was a wonderful player for me. Um, he was incredibly clutch and scored the winning penalty in either the Carabao Cup or the FA Cup. Uh, I sold him to West Brom for £28 million with a year left of his deal. Um, Aaron McLaughlin uh, has also been on the transfer list, but it doesn't look like he's going to leave, and he has also accepted moving down to being a fringe player, so I think I'm just going to let him stick around as a fringe player, as long as he doesn't moan when he doesn't get in the Champions League squad. I've also signed a new goalkeeper because, for some reason, over the course of the last season, Mamadou Dabo, my goalkeeper, in the last two years, Mamadou Dabo has conceded less than a goal a game in the league for an average rating of 7.09 over the last two years, including getting 18 clean sheets from 38 games last season. He's a two-and-a-half-star current ability, two-and-a-half-star potential goalkeeper, apparently. So I replaced him. I've signed Antonis Pochos from Hamburg, for £27.5 million, and he has three-star, four-star current ability and potential. And the stats do say he's better, but he's going to have to earn his spot off of Dabo, I think. Last January, I signed a new centre-back. Uh, Manchester City paid me £30, £50 million for a wonder kid centre-back um, called Loza, who um, you I think got a mention in the last episode because he was one of my starting centre-backs. He had a lot of potential. Uh, but that potential kind of dropped off as we got better, and he wasn't like, he wasn't noticeably improving in the way that I wanted him to, and so I was happy to take the fifty million plus profit sell on um, from City. Uh, I then promptly turned that around and spent eighty two million pounds, which was uh, Alunni's release clause, to bring him in in January, uh, because he is one of the best centre backs in the world. His media description is an elite centre back. He's got three and a half star current ability, four and a half star potential, 23 year old. Um, he's very, very good. My other centre back option to sign in that January was a guy called Fred, Fred Zola. Um, and I didn't sign him because Aluni was just much better at the time. Six months later, this summer, Fred Zola is better than Aluni. In six months, this lad has just absolutely exploded uh, in terms of his stats. Uh, and so when Liverpool came in and offered me, I think it was 60 million. No, it was 50 million again. They offered, Liverpool offered me 50 million for Thiago Maia, who was my ball playing defender, who was also thoroughly mid whenever he played and was, while ostensibly having the potential to be one of the best centre-backs in the world, never showed it while he was at Taunton. Uh, I snapped their hand off and went and spent £70 million on Fred Zola. So I now have two absolutely massive monster centre-backs who hopefully will carry me to a league title. Um, if you're wondering, um, you're not wondering, but Thiago Maia immediately went to Liverpool as a star player. Uh, he's now worth £219 million. Reminder, we sold him for 50 uh, and he's apparently an elite centre-back. He was never an elite centre-back for me. All I'm saying is if you'd have 
sold him for his true value, you could have signed two shit right backs from Man United. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I could have signed two shit right backs from Man United. But I didn't. I, I signed two good centre backs. So I've got Aluni and Zola as my centre back partnership, and they are going to be amazing. Pochos in goal is going to be amazing. Stainso, a midfielder, Stainso, Acuna, and Escuto, or Stainso, Ortega, Escuto. Like, my midfield options are amazing. My front three, Ikic, Widdowson, and James. Luciano Albajaria is still here. Um, Alan Portillo, who is a striker who's just been like a workhorse for me for the last five years after I signed him for £13 million off Barca, he was agitating to leave last January. And he was worth like 116 million pounds. And so I was like, yeah, if people want to buy buy you for 116 million, I will snap their hands off. But no one bit. So he's still kicking around as my like second choice second choice right winger and second choice striker. Calderon's still here. He's still managed to get ten goals in the league in nineteen appearances. So he's averaging a goal every other game still, even as my substitute striker now. Um. Yeah, I, I, my squad is starting to look very, very strong, and I don't know if you can tell by the tone of my voice, but I'm quite confident going into this season. And I was all ready to come in here and be like, "I'm gonna win the league." I'm really confident about my Taunton team going into the 2041-42 season. But then, just before we started recording, I played my first friendly, and we lost. 1-0 at home to Wolves in my first friendly. <laughs> and this is the second time, only the second time in the 20 years, 20 seasons of this save, that I've lost my first friendly. I'm not sure if it's a bad omen. I hope it's not a bad omen, because I would quite like to be really, really good this season. But that is a thing what did happen. We lost to, um, we lost to Wolves. It's not a bad omen. It's not a bad omen, don't worry. I I lost my first friendlies to strong mm. opposition. I mean, so Wolves aren't strong opposition. Wolves are like really mid-table Premier League. No, I'm t- talking about when you don't just play your reserves, mm. youth academy, or very small reputation clo- yeah. clubs that are close to you. But yeah, I, my, my squad altogether is feeling really strong. I'm quietly confident that I'm going to win one of the Premier League or the Champions League this season. Uh, I did also, uh, a couple seasons ago, pick up a centre-mid wonder kid called uh, Milan Pavlovic from Serbia, Red Star. And he came in and was immediately better than McLaughlin and Galliano, which is why they went on the transfer list. Uh, so he is now my rotation deep-line playmaker, if I ever need one. We have state-of-the-art training and youth facilities. I cannot upgrade my youth facilities anymore exceptional academy coaching exceptional youth recruitment you'd think i'd have got through like a five-star potential wonder kid by this point i haven't i'm very sad about it i'd quite like to be able to play some actual taunton players like players from my youth academy in this side uh the best one i've got through is a bloke called justin dodge justin dodge was one of the best ones is a potential has just dropped off a cliff anyway (laughs) Literally, last time I looked at his potential, it was three star to four star. Now it's one and a half star to two and a half star. 
Well, that's painful. Anyway, so I've got some players, and they're all right. Ivan Wint is a funny name. Um, he's got three-star potential, so maybe he'll be good. But, yeah, that's Taunton. We finished third last season, and hopefully now, after this incoherent rant where I've told you about the signings that I've made and how good they are, I might win the league. If you want to watch me win the league in real time, slash make any sense of any of what I've just said, then go and follow the Twitter account that's in the description because I've tweeted about most of it. I reckon you maybe not, you maybe won't win the league next season, but maybe the season after that. I, I think it's it's definitely maybe. within two seasons' work to do, but it's it's just a case of how well so, your squad mm. gets off the mark. Because I've noticed this about you know winning a, a league season and. You've just really got to just start as you mean to go on. You can't lose any ground, especially when you've got mm. some super teams coming towards you as well. The thing is, like, I, I, I realised that basically I decided that the reason that I wasn't winning anything is because I didn't have good enough players, especially in, like, my defensive areas. Like, none of my players were, like, media description elite. None of them were, like, genuinely best in the world quality. Uh, now I have a world-class goalkeeper in Pochos, Aluni and Zola are both elite centre-backs, media description. Escuto is an elite attacking midfielder. James is not an elite striker. He was before, he's not now, which is weird, um, given uh, how good he is. But, yeah. The, the point is, I have my, my aim this summer has been to increase the number of elite players at the football club, and I have definitely done that. Stainso is also an elite, an elite midfielder. But yeah, it's 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 quite crazy when you think that you've done twenty seasons and you're starting to come to a head. It's it's quite a weird. Mm. That's why I was at um yeah two seasons ago, and I realised because when, when we finished fifth in the Premier League for the first time, I was like, right, we actually could be quite close to finishing this save off now, and I'm kind of like itching for it. Like I I want to be done with Taunton at this point, twenty seasons in. Everything should be lined up for it. We have games like we can beat. Last season, we beat Arsenal, who won the Premier League and also won the Champions League 5 0. We can absolutely win this. Like, we, we can beat any team in the world on our day. It's just that we don't need to have enough of our days in a season to get through. That's the thing. Anyway, that's it then for part one of episode 10 of the Thousand Hours podcast. Thank you so much for listening. But this isn't the end of our story, of course, because in part two, which is already up, you can listen to it right now, I talk about my escapades in Lyon as I continue to make all of French football cry. So I hope to see you for that podcast. You can listen to it right now. But for the time being, au revoir.